Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, the Salter abduction. Now, I found this article on a site called AppalachianGhostWalkers.com. Very interesting case. It says, the Salter abduction. Starts off, the article says, in most cases, a UFO UFO abduction is a harrowing, humiliating experience. One that the participant would love to forget. In some cases, however, the abduction process becomes a rewarding one. Such was the case of John Salter, Jr. and his son, John III. John, Jr., a faculty member of the University of North Dakota, was scheduled for a speaking tour of the southern states. It was March 1998 when he, accompanied by his son, drove his pickup truck down Route 61 heading for his first engagement. For some unknown reason, John drove his truck off of his scheduled route, and one hour later, the two found themselves traveling in the opposite direction. They decided to take a rest for the night and continue their trip the next morning. Of course, this was 1998. Cell phones would have just first been coming out, so it wasn't like they had Google Maps available. You know, it seems a little strange that they would have just gone off course like this. And it, from my from my viewpoint, what you have is these two individuals, his father and son, are being set up for a UFO experience or UFO abduction. And it's almost like maybe they were open to the experience, but at any rate, their plans were changed. And it, it seems insidious to me. I see this over and over again where people think that something just happened. It was serendipitous or just happened by chance. But to my mind, what's going on here is the individual driving this truck, Mr. Salter, is actually being, from how I can see it, is actually being set up by this UFO phenomena. It's almost as if their actions are being controlled and they are being, uh, they are being convinced that they're doing it on their own. Some people see this as uh, an exercise of their own free will. From my perspective, a lot of these UFO experiences, I would say pretty much all of them, the person uh, isn't so much doing it of their own free will, but they're being convinced that it's their own free will. They're looking back at the situation and they're and they're convincing themselves that somehow uh, they were destined to do this and somehow it was of their own volition that they did this. From where I sit at, I see this as mind control by the UFO phenomenon from start to finish. But that's just my perspective. The article goes on. It says the two men were at a loss to understand what had happened the evening before, though they discussed it at length as they continued down their original mapped-out drive. Suddenly the two were shocked to see a shining UFO with a silver, silvery energy field. The object had just appeared over the road they were on. John Jr. and his son both had a familiar feeling about what they were seeing, and they began to have flashbacks which refreshed their minds of the events of the previous day. Now, here you go again. It's almost as if these two fellows, his father and son, from my perspective, are the victims of mind control. It's clear to me they are the victims 
of mind control. Their thoughts are being controlled by this phenomena, being controlled by the fact that they think they've got lost or they've made an incorrect choice in their path. To my mind, whatever was controlling the situation was guiding them down this path to have this encounter with the UFO. It's almost like it's forcing them to give consent. And really, how can that be consent? The article continues. It says, They looked at each other, both now aware that the day before they had been stopped dead in their tracks by the object they were now in th- that they were now enthralled with. Both men had stepped out of the vehicle as a group of aliens came toward their pickup truck. At first, John Jr. thought he was seeing a group of children until he saw a taller being which seemed half human, half alien. The group of strange beings led the two men away in the direction of the object. The two men, though frightened in one way, felt that the alien beings would not hurt them. John Jr. would later relate that he felt a sense of a sense of being protected by the strange entities. He had taken a stumble while they were making their way to the ship, but a type of energy kept him from falling and being hurt. Wow. Now we see from this paragraph right here that the men suddenly remember that they'd seen this UFO the day before. Well, both of these guys then had experienced some type of temporary amnesia where their memory had been blocked. And from my perspective, again, this is just another form of control. Because these UFO, these entities knew that if these guys had remembered this experience, they might start to feel threatened by the encounter. Uh, Their natural instincts to fear something like this would kick in and they would be non-compliant. The second thing I see about this encounter is uh, the little people. Now, we just covered this in yesterday's podcast about the little people and how these things might overlap with Native American uh, folklore. and Or, in fact, may uh, overlap with even some of Northern European or Irish folklore when you get into elves and fairies. A lot of times these little people um, can be seen as... Uh, jokesters are harmless, but at other times, the American Indians saw them as, as uh, violent, actually shooting and killing each other, or, or possibly humans. From the way I see it, these small aliens are nothing that I would feel like had protected me. Another thing I saw in this paragraph was the fact that we have a taller being that was uh, in amongst the little ones, almost maybe this this creature is uh, a product of a, a human-alien alien hybrid uh, operation. It seems like this is a reoccurring theme, though, when people have uh, encounters with these ETs, or non-human entities, whatever you want to call them, where you have a group of smaller aliens that almost seem to be um, crowded or herded or at the disposal of this larger, taller half-alien whether this is some form of uh, contact they're trying to make, or if it's just their way of uh, putting the human subject at ease, uh, is not really clear. Now it goes on here, it says, John Jr. and his son were both led into a room with curved walls, where they were placed in chairs with which resembled the fold-up type used by dentists. 
both men would later recall a feeling of being immobilized while they laid back in the chairs and were examined. John Jr.'s examination began with an implant being inserted into his nostril, remarkably, though, without pain. Next, an instrument of some kind was injected into the side of his neck and another one at the top of his chest. He felt the three areas chosen by the beings had a medical significance. The placement related to these three glands, pituitary, the thyroid, and the thyrus. John had enough medical knowledge to know that the three glands regulated human growth, metabolism, and immunity. Now, we don't know if these uh, implants were just put there to measure him, to track him, or if they were put there somehow to control him. But either way you look at it, you have these non-human entities, these ET extraterrestrial, whatever they are, they are uh, abducting these two individuals and without their consent, implanting implants, some sort of... Uh, radio technology, whatever it is, these, these things are being put in these men's bodies without consent. It goes on, it says, After the completion of the test, John Jr. felt a strange sense of bonding with the aliens, with the strange alien beings. He also sensed a message which stated that they would meet again. These strange circumstances would take even a more bizarre turn after John and his son had returned home, John Jr. noticed a gradual improvement in his overall health. His fingernails and hair grew faster and thicker, and a scar on his forehead began to fade and eventually almost disappeared. Another amazing fact John Jr. related was that though he was a smoker who struggled with the desire to quit, he now was able to quit without even thinking about it. To both of the Salter men, the abduction seemed to have a happy ending. John Jr. was known as a respectable professional man, and those who knew him were hard-pressed to discount his story, as remarkable as it may seem. The case of the Salters was dramatized on the 1988 CBS movie Visitors from the Unknown. And that is the case known as the Salter abduction, a father-son abduction that occurred back in 1998. And I'll close by saying, I'm really troubled by the fact that when these abductees come back, they seem to be so often the subjects of mind control, where you have to stop and think about that. These people were abducted, kidnapped against their will, implants forced into their bodies, and then sometimes they'll have some minor healing event take place. And all of a sudden, they have nothing but good things to say about the people that bagged and tagged them and showed no respect whatsoever for their free will as a human being. On the other hand, I find that the uh, abduction did have a lot of, the, as far as the actual testimony goes, that on the strong side of it, you have two people that were considered reliable witnesses, a father and a son. They both give uh, the same account of what happened to them, 
and there's a strong reason to believe um, that they're telling the truth. The one thing I think that could make this story more clear, and I'm, maybe we'll find out if I can do some more research on it, is whether or not uh, the Salter the um, son had ever been tested to verify that he had been implanted. He said that he had uh, been subjected to three different implants. It would be interesting to, to find out if he'd ever had any kind of uh, uh, x-ray done to prove that those implants are there. Uh, as we've talked about in some of the previous podcasts with the late Dr. Uh, Norman Lear, that he did uh, implant removal. It's been proven beyond a doubt that some of these people who had these experiences have had actual uh, objects, which appear to be implants, uh, removed from their body. And I'm going to try to go over and cover that again in a future podcast because it's so interesting with some of these implants, how they actually uh, produce uh, radio signals at specific specific waves, uh, which shows that they're not a naturally occurring object. These are things that are transmitting data from the abduction victims, and I do call them victims, whether whether they realize it or not. And that's almost as scary as the fact that they've been abducted, is that they could be abducted, victimized, and still think that the aliens are their friends. This is a sort of scenario that we're going to have to be super careful for. If there's ever any sort of a um, mass disclosure by the UFO phenomenon itself, what are we to do if the majority of the population has this false impression that these things are here to help us and that there are space brothers, when in fact everything they're doing shows that they're not coming here with good intentions, that they're deceptive and secretive and spreading false information. That's why this is called the UFO Warning Podcast, is because there's a need to warn people that a lot of these things, at least, have proven that they're not good neighbors. And this this Salter case, to my mind, is just another example of what of the most insidious thing about these things is that they can abduct somebody and plant implant them with devices and the person comes away from that thinking that they've had a favor done to them. That's my viewpoint on it, rightly or wrongly. Until next time, this is UFO warning over and out.